Welcome to another episode of Disney Versus, where fish are friends and not food. <laughs> this is the podcast where we have anime discussions about animated movies. I am your host, Tori. I'm Grace. If you are new to the show, what we have done is taken 64 Disney and Pixar movies. We rank them in a March Madness style bracket. It's weird to be talking about March Madness, even though it's April. Now that it's past March. <laughs> yeah. And we talk about them and eliminate them until we have a true winner. That other voice you heard is our producer, Heather. Hey. You can rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes and Google Play Music. And you can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Disneyverses. And on Twitter at DisneyVS. We've been gone for a while, guys. A little bit. Yeah. Missed you guys. <laughs> yeah. Missed you too. I missed you guys too. Even though I live with Heather. I was going to say, don't say you guys. I Literally, miss it's her. just so Grace. Really, you just miss me. <laughs> yeah. That's fine. I miss Grace. Yeah. Grace has moved Life like... Life has happened. Yeah, Grace has moved like 15 times. I got dumped. <laughs> Heather oh. went to like five and a half weddings. Shit's been real. <laughs> yeah. But we're back. Life we're talking too. about Disney movies. And what news do we have? We have Beyonce as Nala. Ugh. <laughs> yeah that's that's my reaction to that that good huh i'm not biased well yeah i am biased because i think our our casting and our casting episode was fucking perfect it's so bomb right yeah, yeah so good and then disney's like as if they were listening to us it's like oh we want beyonce what do you guys think of beyonce <laughs> and of course the internet and the beehive blew up and was like yes do I mean, it i love beyonce i really do I don't know that I want my love for Beyonce and my love for Disney to mix. Mm-hmm. Nope. I'm kind of on the same yeah. boat as Grace, yeah. Because that and I just don't see Beyonce's voice. Like, I can't see Nala with that voice. You know what I mean? Because she's yeah. just got such a powerful, just her vocal cords, man. If you listen to her, like, in interviews, she's not, she has, like, a really soothing, calming voice. Mm-hmm. Like, when she talks? Like, like when she's not, yeah, when she's, yeah. When she's not. But I'm thinking of her non-singing roles, like The Fighting Temptations and Mm -hmm. Austin Powers 3 and Epic, which I don't remember much of Epic, and the little time that she just talks in Dreamgirls. Like Heather said, her voice is so powerful, and her next to Mm -hmm. Donald Glover, I feel like she'd switch into powerful voice mode, and it would be overpowering. Oh, interesting. I mean, if they show, if they cast Beyonce as Nala, I would still probably go see it. Well, yeah. I'd just be disappointed. <laughs> really, you're not gonna go see? <laughs> you would consider not going to see it? I'm not gonna go see the fa- the live Tori's action liar, remake guys. of my favorite Disney movie because they cast Beyonce as Nala. That's where I put my foot <laughs> oh down. Oh my god! Right. I'm 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 done with Disney at that point. <laughs> we will no longer do this podcast. No more episodes, guys. <laughs> I hope we're done with the bracket by then because I will be so out. <laughs> Jeez. For this week's matchups, we have Finding Nemo versus Brother Bear, The Jungle Book versus Tangled, Brave versus The Fox and the Hound, and The Sword and the Stone versus Toy Story. These are some good movies to watch. These are very different do because you... I don't have a lot oh, of yeah. love for. I don't have extreme love for most of these movies, except for maybe Toy Story. Finding Nemo for me. I think this is a really good balance in timeline. We've got three really old movies and then five newer movies, but even still, 
But the newest one is Brave. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that was 2011. 14 years ago? No, 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 2011. No. Six years ago. Yeah. First up, we have Finding Nemo versus Brother Bear. Tori, do you want to give us the rundown on Brother Bear? Brother Bear is about a Inuit hunter named Kenai who, in attempts to avenge his brother's death, kills a bear and is magically transformed into a bear to kind of learn as he's transformed into a bear as punishment. And he kind of goes on a journey to basically be transformed in back into a bear. <laughs> Stock Disney stamp. <laughs> oh my God. Man is turned into bear. Man doesn't want to be bear anymore. Done. Oh no. Finding Nemo is the story of a young clownfish named Nemo and his father, Marlin. Nemo gets kidnapped by a dentist in Australia. And the story is kind of of Nemo's new living environment in the dentist's office with his whole aquarium of new fish. And then also the journey Marlin goes on to find Nemo and he swims across the whole ocean and meets all of these wonderful side characters. What were your first impressions of these two? It took me a minute to actually see Brother Bear. I didn't see it in theaters. I just watched it today. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. You have never seen Brother Bear. I never had, yeah. Oh man. I liked it okay. It. I wasn't over the moon with it when I saw it. I'm not over the moon mm-hmm. for it now. And I remember... Finding Nemo, I didn't see this in theaters either because I wasn't into the hype. And I remember the hype for this movie. My goodness. Oh, it was so mm-hmm. pretty in theaters, though. It was. I remember I remember the opening sequence when the title comes onto the screen and it reminded me of mm-hmm. Titanic. Oh, okay. Um, oh, yeah, because it's, it's kind of the same way. Yeah. I love Finding Nemo. It's still one of my favorites. It's It's one of those movies that I kind of... Like, I think it's kind of not one of my favorites, and then I go back and watch it, and I'm like, oh, this movie's so good. Every time. That's kind of how um, I was when I saw it this time. I'm like, this movie's not all that. And then I watch, and I'm like, oh my gosh, this movie's so good. <laughs> right? Oh yeah. Oh my goodness. I watched Brother Bear for the first time today, and I had kind of similar feelings. I was, I liked it more than I thought I would. I didn't really know that much going into it, and I think just because I hadn't heard much about it, I had kind of... um a negative lead-in to watching Mm it. Okay. Yeah, let's talk about the plot of Brother Bear because I was very mum on the plot because there's a lot that goes into the plot. Yeah, so there are a couple of ceremonies that this tribe takes part in, and the first is the totem ceremony. And so as... I'm guessing they're kind of young teens. Yeah, probably like they're... Yeah, like... 15 going into 16, going into adulthood, like that kind of thing. So children, yeah, children in their early teens are assigned a totem, gifted to them by the... Like the elder. The elder elder, of the tribe. What was her real title? I don't remember. I don't remember either. Was she a shaman? No, she Uh, wasn't a shaman. Let's call her a shaman, because she was kind of like Yoda. I'm not sure what she was. I'm good with elder. Um, anyway, so the elder talks to the spirits and they come up with a totem for these kids. And so, um, I don't even remember their names. The brother's name, the main character is Kenai. The Kenai. middle brother yeah. is Denahi. 
and the older brother that gets killed that set that kind of sets the whole thing in motion is Sitka. So each of them is given a totem, and Kenai's totem is a bear, which symbolizes love, and so he's supposed to kind of prove his adulthood by exhibiting love. The older brother gets killed by a bear, and the middle brother, Kenai, kills the bear and gets magically turned into a bear, supposedly by the older brother's spirit as kind of a lesson. The youngest brother gets pissed because at this point... He has no little brother. He's, he doesn't see his little brother, and he's there's just a bear. So the youngest brother's turned into a bear. The middle brother gets pissed because at this point, he doesn't know that his younger brother's been turned into a bear. He just knows that his oldest brother's dead, and his his little brother's not there anymore. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. So he starts tracking the bear that is actually his youngest brother. And how did the youngest brother now bear <laughs> Kenai? Yeah. How did he learn that he needed to go to the mountain? Um, he just kind of had like an instinct to go there because um, that's where he was transformed? Question mark? No, here's no. what happened. Here's what happened. He falls off like the mountain that he's on, and the uh, shaman lady, the elder of the uh, the the tribe, oh right, uh, finds him, heals him, and says, "I don't know why you're a bear, but if Sitka turned you into a bear, you better go back to that mountain and ask Sitka what the deal is." So he knows. All he knows is get back to the mountain. But Sitka's it wasn't the spirit same will mountain. make everything right. It's not the mountain. I think it was the same mountain. No, because he had to go on this long freaking journey. He would have known okay. where the mountain was if he'd just fallen down it. Yeah, true that. Did they, uh, did they, like, say they that? They had to go... If that makes sense. Like, did they give the mountain a different name or whatever? Because I'm wondering if, like... The mountain... Well, they never referenced the mountain that he fell off of. She just says that you need to go to the mountain where the lights touch the peak. Oh, yes. yes. Okay. Yeah. Kenai finds Koda, the son of the bear he that killed. killed Sitka and that Kenai just killed. But we don't know. Yeah, mm-hmm. we don't know that. And then they go to, their thing is, Koda's trying to get to the salmon run, which is a big bear event that he and his mom go mm-hmm. to every year. And at the salmon run, there's a bunch of, it's like a bear jamboree. And Koda tells the story of when uh, his his mother is killed by Kenai. No, no, no. It's when his mother kills Sitka. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's like a completely different point because... of view because it's from the point of view of the bear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like the humans are the monsters versus the bear being the monsters. And then that's when Kenai was like, oh shit. Yeah. Okay. And Kenai confesses, hey, Koda, I killed your mom. I'm yeah. sorry. And Koda wigs out, of course, and, you know, runs. Meanwhile, middle brother shows up. Yeah, the middle brother is chasing them the entire yeah. time because he has no idea what's going on. He, he just sees yeah, evil he sees bear. bear and wants to kill him. Yeah, it's 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 not as complicated as it sounds. So Kenai earns his adulthood when he um, refrains from fighting with his brother, but also when he saves Koda mm-hmm. from. Mm-hmm. His brother. Um, and he decides to stay a bear. Yeah. 
Because that's when the oldest brother comes down from the spirit realm and, (laughs) like, basically shows that the bear's been the youngest brother this whole time. He shows, he shows Denai, he transforms him back and Denai, he's like, you're my brother, you're not a bear. Yeah, and then. Bro, I almost killed you. (laughs) The plot for Fighting Nemo is a lot more straightforward. Yeah. Yeah. Um, It's a big journey story. Similar to. In, like, in the same way that Brother Bear is a big adventure story, Nemo gets kidnapped, Marlin goes on this grand adventure and runs into people along the way that kind of direct him on the right path. Mm-hmm. Um, he runs into Dory, who is a forgetful bluefin? She's a blue tang. Blue tang. Yes. And... Um, they run into some sharks and have to escape the sharks. They run into some jellyfish and Dory gets hurt. They and run into by sea turtles. Get rescued by sea turtles who are surfer dudes. And are there any other big adventures? That's anyway, really they, it. It's kind of like the Odyssey yeah. mm-hmm. underwater. Ah, yeah. there you go. Yeah. And so along the way, they keep having these kind of challenges and meanwhile Marlon's kind of coming to terms with um, how he's raised Nemo on his own and on the way he thinks that he hasn't protected Nemo enough and then kind of as they're rescuing Nemo he realized how uh, resilient he is and how strong he is and um, how he can back off a little bit. Yeah. You know, he gets to where he needs to go. He saves Nemo. He saves Nemo and he realizes later on that Nemo is he's he's been kind of parenting Probably. Nemo a little he's too much. He's been a helicopter parent. Mm-hmm. Yes. And Nemo has this moment where he says, I can do this, believe in me. Mm-hmm. And then he kind of he does mm-hmm. and his son pretty much saves the day. His or son's no. idea saves the day. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. yeah. they're all trapped in that net, and so they're trying to swim down, and he's like, Dad, you gotta trust me! And he's like, okay, I trust you. And then they all win, and then Nemo's, mm-hmm. like, passed out or something, and then Marlin has this, like, really sentimental moment, and then Nemo wakes up, and then they all go home, so. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think of the side characters in Finding Nemo? I think they're very good. I think the side characters are more interesting than... Oh. Yeah, totally. Then Marlin and Nemo. Yeah. I mean, Marlin is the protagonist. I have a theory about that. I'll get to it in a second. Okay. Marlin and Nemo are the protagonists, but they're not really... They don't really go through... They don't... Yeah, well, they do... I was about to say they don't change, but Marlin does change. Mm Mm-hmm. But that's kind of undone when we get to Finding Dory. And this movie made me realize that Finding Dory is so unnecessary. Oh, yeah. Yeah. This movie by itself is perfect, and Finding yeah. Dory kind of just ruins it all. Because we go through the same, you know, kind of things. Marlon's still a wet blanket in Finding Dory. Yep. Mm-hmm. And he's he's still, he's a, he's a wet blanket and helicopter parent mm-hmm. in this. Mm-hmm. My favorite character in this movie is Gil. Oh, really? My favorite character oh, yeah. is Gil. Because... Gil is kind of the parent that I wish Marlon would have been because as soon as Gil, sorry, as soon as Nemo gets in the tank, Gil, he gets stuck. He freaks out and he gets stuck in the filter. 
not the two in the I think did he get stuck yeah, in the filter? Yeah. The tube. Gil's like, nobody help him. I want to see what he can do. And he tells him, he gives him instruction, he tells him what to do, and he and he leaves him to it. He believes in him the entire time. And then when Nemo, you know, gets stuck and almost dies in the filter when they try, he saves him because, you know, he's not an asshole. Mm-hmm. He has a little bit of mindset to, hey, let's not, we're done for the day. Everybody take a break. And then he kind of mm-hmm. loses hope. And when Nemo is like, we're gonna, we're going again. We got to do this. My dad's on his way. We got to be ready. Gil's like, all right, lead the way. And I feel like if we wouldn't have a movie, if Marlon, of course, Marlon <laughs> believed in Nemo from the jump, but Gil is a better father figure to Nemo the entire time. Like he even sacrifices himself at the end to get Nemo into the drain. Would that be father figure or friend? Because like, or like just like adult figure in general, just because like there, I mean, there are different kinds of parenting like techniques and kind of stuff like that. So like we can't like completely just invalidate everything that, you know, Marlon's doing because he's like, he, he's doing the best he can. He went through a traumatic thing. And so now he's like, Oh shit, Mm -hmm. I need to protect my kid. Cause he's got a gimp fucking fin. And, <laughs> you know, yeah. so he's like, so he's like helicoptering hardcore and then like has to go through this whole thing to be like, okay, actually I need to give him space. He's like five now. So man, it's time for him to be an adult, you know, like, <laughs> Whoa. yeah, yeah, I see yeah. what you're saying though. So I get like, I get what you're saying too, but I also, I'm just making sure we're not invalidating everything that Marlon's going through because he did go through something awful, which killed yeah. his wife and then 99 percent of his kids <laughs> yeah i didn't realize you talk about the gimp fin and the 99 kids i didn't realize until this viewing that the reason nemo has a gimp fin is it's because, because he's the scarred the, the yeah the egg has Correct. a rip in it mm-hmm. uh-huh and i was like oh that's how he's he's <laughs> he didn't grow properly that yeah say that like water got in the egg and that interrupted his growth yeah Something like that. Yeah. And I didn't realize that until this this, this viewing. Mm-hmm. I think Peach is... Peach is definitely one of my favorite, but it's completely biased because I love Alice and Janney um, and everything that she's in. Who and is Peach? So, Peach is the starfish. Okay, okay. Um, Find your happy place! Find your happy place! Yeah, she's got some great one-liners in this, and she's a great... I feel like, like she's the number two. In the... <laughs> she's what? I've... I feel like she's the number two to Gil yeah. in the uh, the tank because she's yeah. she's the one who, like, she has the most interaction with Gil, apart from the others. Yeah. Alpha mm-hmm. male, alpha female. She's the female. Jacques is great. Who else? Crush the Hell turtle. Yeah. Voiced Mr. by director Andrew Stanton. Nice. Mm-hmm. You know he's directing an episode of Stranger Things, like oh, season two. What? No way. Yeah, it's nice. gonna be great. I'm so excited. That's awesome. Heather has to finish. Uh, straight things, by the way. Uh, Getting there. Sure. So my my theory about there are no vi- I don't feel like there are any villains in this movie in either movie, but if there were, obviously Kenai not Kenai sorry Denahi is probably the de facto villain in Brother Bear, but mm-hmm. that's because he's trying to avenge basically both his brothers. Mm-hmm. Because in his eyes, both his brothers were killed by the same bear. In Finding Nemo, 
I feel like Marlin is kind of the antagonist. No. Of the whole series. No. Because I feel like his, you know. He's a wet blanket, but he's not the antagonist. He does the same thing in both movies. And so, like his 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 isms, for lack of a better word, force Dory away in the sequel, and his isms cause Nemo to rebel in this film. And I feel like Marlon could have should have gotten out of his own way, but like Heather that... already explained, it's just his his what he's doing what he thinks is best. Yeah, I don't think that makes him a bad person. I don't think it makes him the antagonist at all. I think he's definitely the protagonist because he's going through all of these changes for the better. He's mm-hmm going through these trials and he's changing his views right yeah yeah these unpopular opinions are changing throughout the movie and he's older so it takes him a little longer because he's kind of stuck in the whole overprotective ways and stuff like that Mm -hmm. this is just like a really weird learning curve for him even though he has to go through it twice to kind of get to like kind of get it through his skull that's what makes me think of it. He goes through it twice. The same thing happens in the sequel. And I I will get off the sequel. Okay, but think of like think about like your parents. Try calming your father down. <laughs> Touche. Touche. And with that, we're moving on to animation. <laughs> what did you think of the animation of these two movies? I like the animation in both of these, but clearly Finding Nemo has superior animation. Mm-hmm. Because what they did with water, because the whole movie is mm-hmm. underwater, and it's all it, it looks yeah. fantastic. So, like yeah, I'd say, ninety percent of the movie is underwater, mm-hmm. and it looks great. I agree with that. I think I, it makes me sad that you didn't see this on screen, and I hope that it'll come back. Like some of the other Disney movies have come back to theaters. They already put it in three D, so I doubt it. Yeah, I don't know. Because like it's already had the three D treatment, so. Unless they yeah. show it randomly at a AMC Pixar marathon, which I'm not, I'm I'm not doubting. If that happens, I think we have to fly and meet halfway. Deal. We'll go to like, I don't know, Nevada. <laughs> meet halfway for Vegas and watch. <laughs> Word. Right. Um. What about the music in these two? The music from Brother Bear is done by the same team that did Tarzan. Yes. So. The songs, I was like, oh my gosh, that's Phil Collins. Every song was terrible, in my opinion. There wasn't a single <laughs> song that I liked. I was like, this is, this is painful. Why? And there's another one. Unmemorable. There are only like four or five of them, but all of them yeah. are bad. And They're one of them has Phil Collins. And it's still bad. I honestly kind of forgot that like they had songs. Uh-huh. Yeah. Mark Mancina did the score for this, too. Um, the music in Finding Nemo, there are a couple themes that are really memorable, but I don't think it's anything outstanding. It's a great score. Yeah. Yeah. But a lot of Thomas Newman's scores sound the same. Yeah. And don't get me wrong, I love Thomas Newman. The music is so soothing, but it's something, it's something I've heard before. Mm -hmm. Do you want to talk Uh, about the voices? Yeah, someone we obviously skipped over because she got her own movie, Dory. Dory is the best in this movie. Oh, right? Yeah. I noticed that she's kind of like Donkey from Shrek in this. Yeah. She is Donkey. Did you see the video on Ellen of Ellen and Tom Hanks talking to each other as Marlon Mm -hmm. and Dory? 
No. Oh man. It was adorable. <laughs> yeah, look it up. It's it's awesome because I mean those are the voices and they just it, you can see it. You, if you close your eyes, you can just see it. It's crazy. Oh man. Awesome. So let's look at where we put these. Tori ranked Finding Nemo at twenty fifth. What? Hey, it it made my top twenty five. I made <sighs> sure of that. I out of sixty four, uh, I ranked it's Finding Nemo third. as third. That's a little high, I think. And Heather put this in tier four. Yeah, you're giving me shit. She didn't even watch this with me. But I still remember it. <laughs> That's the thing. My high school, whenever still... we had like movie days or whatever, like when the teachers just didn't feel like fucking doing anything, I always ended up watching either Wally oh or Finding Nemo. Tori ranked Brother Bear at 48th. I ranked it at 56, having never seen it. And then Heather ranked this in tier four. Do you think these rankings are going to stick around? Finding Nemo might move up a little bit. It's a good movie for me. But there's, I feel like there's so many, there are a lot of better movies than Finding Nemo. Mm -hmm. That's just me personally. Like, it's really good. It'll probably break the top 20. Yeah. Brother Bear, same spot. Mm -hmm. Finding Nemo will probably move up for me. Brother Bear, it might might move up a little bit. I'm not sure it'll break the top Mm -hmm. 50. We'll see. Just it didn't leave that great of an impression. Yeah. Yeah. We didn't talk about it a lot, but it wasn't there. There wasn't anything really spectacular yeah, about it. Up. I mean, I think the thing that I liked the most was Michael Clark Duncan as the the bear at the the like the lead bear at the at salmon the yeah. salmon run. Uh huh. I love yes. Michael Clark Duncan. And I immediately you immediately know <laughs> that's who that is. Yep. And the the animation of the Northern Lights, whenever there was spirit yeah. stuff going on. Those are really the best parts. Other than that, it's not a very memorable mm-hmm. film. Mm-hmm. Next up, we have... Oh, so which is your pick? My pick is Finding Nemo, for the reasons that I just said. <laughs> so, Sorry, so it goes without saying. Finding Nemo wins. <laughs> yeah, okay. Finding Nemo is mine, too. Uh, so next up, we have The Jungle Book versus Tangled. <laughs> the Jungle Book is about a, a young boy who has been raised by wolves. And when Shere Khan, uh, the most badass tiger, returns to the jungle, um, everyone knows that they have to get Mowgli, the child, out of the forest and that he needs to go live with humans because Shere Khan will kill him. Tangled is... The retelling of Rapunzel, who is kidnapped from her parents by an evil witch who uses Rapunzel to stay young. And with the help of a runaway thief, Rapunzel is uh, escapes from her tower and attempts to return to her kingdom. There's a lot to the plot in Tangled. My God. I'll help. <laughs> yeah. My first impressions of Tangled was... I think the first time I saw Tangled was when we did Drunk Disney to it. Mm-hmm. So that was the first. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. So I don't. I didn't. Re- I didn't see the end of it. I didn't hate it. It was. It. Let's not use that as my as my first impression. I didn't hate the movie, but I didn't love it. It was. It was good. Some of the songs were lost on me, and by that I mean they didn't make a lasting impression on me. The Jungle Book uh bored me when i when i watched it growing up mm-hmm. but i did enjoy the music 
I remembered more of the music and the songs than I did of the overall plot. Me too. Same. I um I like Tangled a lot. It's not it's not super high up on my list, but there are definitely aspects of this movie that I really love. We'll talk about some of the songs later, but there are a couple that I really, really love. I think it's beautiful. And then I had the exact same reaction to Jungle Book as Tori did. Like, I vaguely remember it from my childhood. I know a couple of the songs really well, and I like those songs, but I didn't remember the plot at all, and it didn't stand out as one of my favorites. So, so I said the plot of Tangled is complicated. The things that I left out. Rapunzel's hair is infused with a sunflower, or a flower with the power of the sun that keeps whoever sings to it young for a considerable amount of time. It has healing properties. Yes, it has healing properties. Uh, Rapunzel was infused with it because, you know what, I'm not going to go through it. If you're listening (laughs) to us, you've hopefully seen Tangled. I can really quick. Nah, we're good. We're good. (laughs) It's just, it's really complicated to... It is not that complicated. Like, just... I have to explain the you have to explain the prologue and then it's the story of Rapunzel basically. It's not that complicated but okay. The plot of Jungle Book is pretty straightforward really. Throughout Mowgli's whole childhood, he's kind of had this black panther named Bagheera looking over him, kind of just keeping an eye on him making sure he's okay. Um so when Mowgli needs to leave his family and is kind of voted off the island by the wolf elders, Bagheera takes him away, and they... How do they run into Baloo? I think Baloo's just, like, walking around, and then... uh, She's hanging out. Yeah, Yeah. and that's when Mowgli um, is separated, and so Baloo just finds him on his own and tries to cheer him up. Yes. So Baloo tries to cheer him up, and they're... And Baloo decides he's going to teach him how to live in the wild on his own, because Mowgli doesn't really have street smarts. And Mowgli gets kidnapped by the monkeys. He gets kidnapped a lot. Yeah, he gets kidnapped by the monkeys. He gets kidnapped by Ka the snake. And King Louie, the king of the apes, wants to be a human. And so I think he takes Mowgli because he kind of wants him to teach him the human ways. I'm not really sure. He wants to teach him about fire. Mm -hmm. Oh. He wants the secret of fire. Yeah. Gotcha. And the the Jungle Book is kind of a, a sequence of vignettes yes. of from leaving the wolves to ultimately getting back to uh, the human village. It's a series of vignettes of Mowgli meeting people. And he meets good people, he meets bad people, he meets people that are in the middle. For some reason, the Jungle Book kind of reminds me of Dumbo. I, and it might just be the birds. Yep, we made yeah. that connection earlier, too. Um, what do you think about the characters in, in Tangled? We talked about them in Jungle Book a little bit. There are a lot of characters in Tangled, and I think a lot of them are filler. Yes. Because you meet, you meet, you go into the bar full of villains uh-huh. just so they can save the day at the end. Yeah. You meet Maximus. Just so you can have someone to be chasing the the group. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, there are a lot of people chasing Rapunzel and Flynn Rider, who is mm-hmm. the thief that rescues Rapunzel. I feel like the only essential people are Rapunzel, Flynn Rider, uh, Mother Gothel, 
Pascal because she needs an animal sidekick and her parents and everything else is just kind of filler. Yeah. Okay. But um, same could be said for Jungle I, Book. I don't. Yeah. Uh, same can be said for Jungle Book, especially the the little girl at the end who just <laughs> hypnotizes Mowgli. Right. And that's that's it. I I hate that ending. Uh-huh. He just says nothing Ooh, a girl. will separate okay, us. Intergirl, intergirl, yeah. and he's gone. Yep. Yeah. Like seriously, that was the end of Jungle Book. This is garbage. And my thing is, is at least they entangled. They like tied all the characters together within the story. Yes. While with Jungle Book, yes. they were like sections, and like none yeah. of them came back mm-hmm. or anything. So it was just it was it was an adventure kind of thing, which is really you know it was cool and all. There was something else we watched recently that was like a whole bunch of short stories put together. What was it? Pinocchio? Yes. I think it was Pinocchio. This yeah. flows a lot like Pinocchio to me. Mm-hmm. That's probably why I don't like it. And <laughs> while we're talking about characters, let's talk about Shere Khan because me and Heather kept a running tab of this. I kept writing down uh, 42 minutes into the movie, Shere Khan has been mentioned twice. But we haven't seen mm-hmm. him. We mm-hmm. haven't seen like a legend of Shere Khan. Um, we haven't seen a a shadow, uh, the yellow eyes that fade out to just the eyes that Disney movies are wont to do. A poster. We don't meet. <laughs> we don't meet Shere Khan until forty sevens into the movie, when he tries to kill Bambi's mom. Yep. Like there's a there's a deer in there that looks exactly like Bambi's mom, and that's yep. it. That being said, I kind of like Shere Khan because his facial expressions are just all over the place. Uh-huh. And I, I have written down that he looks like a cross between the Grinch and Stewie hmm. Griffin. <laughs> I think it's funny because it, I think if you took Shere Khan out of context and just had him speak but didn't have his reputation or anything associated with it, you wouldn't know. You wouldn't, you wouldn't be that afraid of him. Mm-hmm. But because he is as talkative as he is and his delivery is the way that it is with that underlying reputation of um, just being a fierce, like, cutthroat dude, like, no one's going to mess with him. Mm-hmm. I think that kind of puts it in our mind that he's probably psychotic in some way. Yeah. There's definitely, because he doesn't seem that intimidating just from the get-go they yeah they hype him up like throughout the entire movie like almost all 46 minutes and 59 seconds you know they're like oh shit Shere Khan you know what I mean like yeah like that's yeah that's basically what gives him you know that like scare factor is just the fact that everyone is just like oh shit we need to get Mowgli out because the tiger you know yeah yeah Heather talk about uh, Mother Gothel and Rapunzel okay so Mother Gothel is introduced earlier in the movie as an older witch who keeps going to the sunflower this you know flower power flower let's thing a, let's call it a sunflower basically it's powered by the sun yeah so the sunflower or whatever she keeps it hidden because it's magical and she sings a certain song and it makes her young again so she's been living for like centuries then Rapunzel's mom gets sick the kingdom finds said flower Mom gets healed because she drinks tea made from flour. And then the power gets infused into Rapunzel, meaning her hair. And so they realize that you can't cut her hair because then, like, the magical power goes away. So Mother Gothel 
realizes this because she sneaks in because she notices because like she just she's magical so she fucking knows these things i guess disney and steals the kid and throughout her life she makes rapunzel think that she is her mother and keeps her locked in this tower or whatever and she brushes her hair and she has rapunzel sing the song because it can only be activated when the kid is singing it because she's the one that has a direct link to the magical powers. And so throughout this entire movie, there's this just like really awful, yeah, really awful twisted relationship where mother Gothel, whenever she sings and whenever she tries to show affection toward Rapunzel, she's really only showing it toward her hair. She couldn't Uh give two shits about Rapunzel as a person, but like, man, that hair, if that hair was gone, literally mother Gothel would be dead. Spoiler, she dies. Does she die? Yeah, she turns to dust. Yes, that's right. Kind Mm -hmm. of in a Voldemort-like fashion. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. Because Eugene cuts Rapunzel's hair, and then Mother Gothel is holding on to the hair, and because all the magical power is being sucked out of the dead strands of hair, it gets sucked out of Mother Gothel, and then she falls out of the window, and she turns to dust. Mm Mm-hmm. But yeah, so like in the song Mother Knows Best, Which she is tries the best song in the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. Uh she debatable. Literally like she hugs the, the hair, hair not... and not Rapunzel. And she huh. So like and it's it's really subtle things like that. So she tries to scare the person who is Rapunzel into staying sticking around so that she can use her hair. And uh-huh. Mother Gothel never shows Rapunzel as a person affection. Whenever anything affectionate is being thrown her way, it's toward the hair. And you can always tell because she's touching the hair somewhere. Yeah. Rapunzel and Mother Gothel kind of have the same relationship that Frollo and Quasimodo have. Mm-hmm. Like Frollo is throwing yeah. all the lies he can at Quasimodo to keep him in one spot, to keep him under his control. And uh, That's Mother a great... Gothel is doing the same thing. Yeah. Like it's they're they're meant to think that the outside world is cruel and dangerous, but they don't know any better because they uh, have been sheltered. They've never been down there. Yeah, they've been sheltered yeah, this they've whole been time. Sheltered. Yeah. Although Quasimodo kind of has a little bit more reference because he can see everything. There's nothing really around Rapunzel for her to know. Like for she can't see anything. She yeah. For example. Quasimodo knows the Feast of Fools. He Mm -hmm. knows it every year. He knows exactly what it's about. Rapunzel has no idea what the lanterns are for. Mm -hmm. She just knows that it it happens on her birthday and she really wants to go see them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's that's something that I kind of... That's a relationship. I thought that the... I thought this movie was about to be beat for beat, almost beat for beat, hunchback. But no, it's just kind of the prologue. Mm -hmm. What did you think about the animation for these two? There's a lot of reuse animation for the Jungle Book, mm-hmm. and I was disappointed. Yeah. But they reuse um, the dancing in Jungle Book from Robin Hood. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Anytime the most of the elephant scenes are recycled, and after a while, I was like, "This is this is disappointing." I didn't. Yeah. Now that you say that, I I didn't really notice that, but a lot of it is the same. It's very similar. The animation for Rapunzel is beautiful, and it was really the first time that we've seen hair like that, um, where mm-hmm. you could see every strand. And it's not just Rapunzel's hair. Mother Gothel's hair is... Mother Gothel is hot. I'll say it. Yeah. I'll say well, it to Heather. I mean, yeah. that's why... That, why do you think she wanted to look young? Because you saw her in the beginning when she was She's old hot. and like... Like, 
She could sing when she was young, so... Better voice than Elsa. Better voice than Rapunzel. Mother Gobble. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not yeah. I'm not the biggest fan of Mandy Moore. Who voiced Mother Gothel? Donna Murphy. And then Mandy Moore voiced Rapunzel. I'm not a big Mandy Moore fan. No. Nothing against uh, her. I like her okay. She was great and saved. It's the ending of her notes that really bugs me because they get really like airy and like, or whatever. You know, like she they sighs get poppy. at the they end get of very the poppy. Yeah, and so that just kind of bugs me. But she has a fine yeah. tone. It's just, girl, work on those endings. I have to say this because I wouldn't shut up about it when we watched it. Rapunzel's hair looks great. It's super inconsistent, though. Oh, oh yeah. really? Oh, absolutely. The length of it. Oh, yeah. The length that of sure. Rapunzel's hair mm-hmm. is purely to serve the plot. Yeah. Sometimes it's long enough to where she doesn't know where it ends. Sometimes she can pick up the ends. You know, sometimes she's brushing the ends. Sometimes it's short enough to be braided into a giant braid. Sometimes it's long enough to be used as a rope. You know, come on. Pick a, pick a length. I mean, I'm fine with it being super long. I'm fine with it being long enough to braid into a giant braid that somehow she can support with her tiny neck. That game's strong. Just be consistent. <laughs> She's got muscles. Yeah, that's serious. Does she, like, though? I, I guess about... so. <laughs> <laughs> it's the magic hair. It just though. constantly is just healing Maybe her. Maybe it's really light. Healing her <laughs> yes. neck. Do you think Rapunzel gets back knots or neck knots? considering that she's constantly healing she's probably the most like relaxed bitch ever because (laughs) she's just always being healed and so she probably doesn't know like when she turns into a brunette and her and her magic the magical qualities go away she probably gets like a cricker net in her neck and she's like oh jesus like fuck am i dying like (laughs) did my neck break so aside from mother gothel's song are there any other songs Mm -hmm. in we already kind of talked about Jungle Book a little bit. Um, I Want to Be Like You mm-hmm. is great. And then what's Baloo's song? Bare Necessities. Bare Necessities. Both of those are great. Mm-hmm. Um, I am not a fan of the songs. And I mean, At Last I See the Light is okay. It's obviously the, you know, the love song. And that's why it's kind of lasts as long as it does because it's a decent song. Mm-hmm. I like the use of the songs in the score more than I like the, the songs themselves. Song. Yeah. Even I have a dream. I have a dream. The the <laughs> I have a dream song is <laughs> I have a dream. <laughs> it's the name of the song. Um Oh, actually it's called I've Got a Dream. Yes. That song is uh Stick to the Status Quo, basically. Yes. From high school musical. That all that that's all that song is. Well. Alan Menken was like, I like that. I'm going to use that. I'm going to use that idea. Because <laughs> there was that. There was the reprise or whatever of um, Mother's of Mother Knows Best. There's a reprise. And there's the reprise of uh, When Will My Life Begin. Yeah. And then When Will My Life Begin. Yeah. So there's just a lot of reprise. There's really only like four songs. Mm-hmm. And then they just get reprised a lot. Yeah. I'm trying to think of if there are any other ones. I honestly can't remember. I'll kind of take, even though it's Alan Menken, and Alan Menken is number three on my list of of my composers that I constantly mm-hmm. may, uh, uh, bring up, <laughs> I will take the Jungle Book song and score over Tangled, because Jungle Book is probably, with its sound effects too, just all the sounds in Jungle Book, because mm-hmm. it's so freaking cartoony. Yeah, mm-hmm. it is. Like, this movie, this is a cartoon. Yeah. This, mm-hmm. this is a, Jungle Book is a cartoon. Yeah. 
and it's great yeah and <laughs> freaking uh bare necessities and i want to be like you are just so iconic mm-hmm. yeah and they've they've lasted through time way longer than i think the songs from tangled mm-hmm. yeah shoot i mean and like they they use different styles uh in in jungle book 2 and yeah. the one the one that keeps popping up in my head is the barbershop quartet at the end yeah like yeah like that's that's literally my favorite one from that song and like tori didn't even remember it because it happens at like the last like the five minutes end. of the movie yeah. you know yep but you know they like, have we need that the tenor. Like, yeah <laughs> you know like they've got that they've got um like bare necessities which i don't even know what like what genre would y'all qualify that as because i'm thinking um be like you is kind of more around like big bandish yeah I'm thinking Bare Necessities is, I'm not going to say it's bluegrass, but it's bouncy. It's bouncier. It's bouncy, it's swingy, it's, yeah. Yeah. I was going to say some sort of jazz, just because they've got that, uh, what, string bass in the back? You yeah. know? And then there's a tuba solo in it. Yeah. Uh, Heather mentioned the Barbershop Quartet. Do you know they changed that song to a Barbershop Quartet when the Beatles said they didn't want to do the Aww. Vultures? Really? The, that's why the vultures look like that, yeah. because they were supposed to be voiced just... by the Beatles. Mm-hmm. That's funny. And then another bit of trivia about The Jungle Book. This is the last animated feature film to be super to be supervised by Walt Disney. Aww. Because he died uh, a couple months before the movie came out. Aww. Yeah. Wow, I didn't realize he died that long ago. Yeah, he died in 66. Uh, this came out in 67. And they said that... Uh, they were scared what to do if Jungle Book flopped because without Walt, they thought if it flopped, it would be the end of Disney, Disney. animation. Wow. And the movie was a huge success. So oh. obviously, Disney animation continued to be a thing. <laughs> That's good. So. Did it? No, I'm just kidding. So <laughs> for our previous rankings, Tori ranked Tangled at 29th. I ranked it at 22nd. Heather ranked this in her tier two. And then Tori ranked Jungle Book at twenty no, at forty fourth. I ranked it at thirty eighth, and Heather ranked it in her third tier. I think I might move Tangled down a bit. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah, me too. Jungle Book probably stay where it is. Mm-hmm. Jungle, Jungle Book might move down a couple for me. Jungle Book is only staying where it's at right now for me, because like because of the songs. Tori, what's your pick? I'm gonna go with Tangled. You're at scary. Because. <laughs> Because the dis, I I will say it. I'm not. I don't like this movie. But I like. I will not watch this movie again unless, you know, somebody I'm trying to impress wants to watch it, or I'm doing a drinking game or something. Mm-hmm. But I will. I do. I do recognize that the. Uh, the relationship between Mother Gothel and Rapunzel makes for a strong story. Mm-hmm. The animation is good. The score is good. I don't really like this. I don't think the songs are good. I think um, At Last I See the Light is the only thing closest to good. Do you think it's because of the lyrics or because of the singers or just like them in general? Because I know you're not the biggest fan of Mandy Moore and I mean, neither am I. Both. I'm just A curious. little bit of both. Okay. I think I said Mother Gothel was a good singer. I like I like Mother Gothel's voice. Mm-hmm. I think this is, I don't think this is the last um, animated film that Alan Menken did, or it's the most recent that he did, 
music and stuff for. Mm -hmm. And this is the same group that did Home on the Range, which we know, you know how we feel Mm -hmm. about Home on the Range if you've listened to this podcast for long (laughs) enough. And I think it, it, it's not good. I don't think it's, it's good. But the story elements and the animation and the characters are better than the story of the Jungle Book, despite the fact that I love the music and the songs from Jungle Book. Mm-hmm. Just the way that story wraps up is jarring. And the animation is recycled, but the jungle looks great. Everything that it's these films are, you know, they're opposites of each other. What I like about one I hate about the other. Mm-hmm. And there's just more that I like about Tangled that than I like about Jungle Book. Yeah. So my pick is Tangled. My pick is also Tangled. I'm not quite down on it as much as Tori is. I um, I still really enjoy this movie. I like the animation. I like a couple of the songs. I think the side characters are funny. And that wins me over. The Jungle Book, I, I was surprised by at certain points. But it still didn't draw me in quite enough. Those two, really those three songs. Because I forgot about the songs, the barbershop song at the end. I don't remember anything about the song. I just remember that it was beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, and really well performed. But yeah, Tangled wins for me. Our next matchup is Brave versus The Fox and the Hound. The Fox and the Hound is the story of a fox named Todd whose mother is killed and is taken in by a widow and raised as a pet. And their neighbor's hound dog named Copper. And the two form this unlikely friendship because they're basically supposed to supposed to be enemies and it it's about their relationship from them being little to what happens when they grow up and recognize the roles that they're supposed to play brave is about a scottish princess named merida whose parents have decided that she needs to get married and have invited these clans to compete for her hand in marriage including the macintosh clan Scottish? A little bit, a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) And Merida isn't about that, and so she goes off into the village or goes off into the forest and comes across a witch, and the witch gives her these cakes to mess with her mom. The cakes end up turning her mom into a bear, and so it's about the experience she and her mom who's now a bear go on trying to turn her back into a human and Mm -hmm. first impressions go i think i cried when i saw brave at the end and i remember calling my mom and her being like "Eh, i didn't i wasn't that impressed and i was just like torn um (laughs) watching it again i'm like Eh, no, it, like, it's fine. <laughs> um, so I don't know. Maybe I was just emotional at the time. I watched Fox and the Hound yesterday, and it's probably been 20 years. Um, I remember liking this. I had a copper um, stuffed animal for a while. Aw. Yeah. Cute. Um, so I, I think I remember liking this as a kid. I just didn't remember really anything about it. It's... It's heartbreaking. It's really emotional. <laughs> and it's yeah, it kind is. of dark. And, well, we'll get into it more. I, I really liked it, <laughs> but it was it was real deep. <laughs> yeah, it is. What about you? 
Fox and the Hound, I remember watching uh, when I was younger. It was one of the movie. It, it was one of the VHSs that I had, and I watched a lot. Um, but I didn't remember much about it. Like I didn't remember my feelings about it until I remember until I watched it this time. I didn't recognize how good this movie was until this viewing. Like this movie is so good. And then Brave, I remember seeing in theaters, and I remember liking it, but. I remember liking it at the time, like I was super hot on this movie, and then I cooled so hard. Like I think that Merida is still a badass, but there's a lot to be desired from this movie. Like I, I mm-hmm. honestly get bored once once the mom gets turned into a bear. I get really bored. Yeah, yeah. There's there's a big gap. I feel like once, um. Once they get back into the castle, once they figure out what they need to do and they get back into the castle, um, I feel like that's where it gets really interesting again. The The opening of the movie is really strong. Like, we meet Merida, we meet her as a uh, as a child, and then she grows up. And she's and, adorable. You know, yeah. Uh, <laughs> she, she, it's her birthday, so she goes, you know, into, she goes firing arrows and stuff, and she, you know, she does what she wants because it's her birthday. And she climbs a cliff, which has become, you know, a trend with, you know, Disney characters. She's she's good at archery, and like her parents, she she of course she becomes arranged to be married, or they set up her arrangement to be married with a tournament, uh-huh. and Meredith's not having it, and. The scene where she the the arrow scene basically any arrow scene in this movie is badass. Oh yeah, <laughs> right yeah. And did this movie come out before or after The Hunger Games? Like, when did The Hunger Games come out? I remember watching this with my mom, and, like, my mom cried. Brave came out June 22nd, and... Oh, that's probably why she cried. March 23rd. Oh, interesting. Why did she cry? Wait, what year? What year did Hunger... Both 2012. So Hunger Games first. But, yeah, no, June 22nd is my mom's birthday. Aw. Oh, Okay. (laughs) That's why she cried. Okay, gotcha. So that's gotcha. a reason she cried. I remember the, you telling me the story of you watching Ray with your mom. <laughs> that was so funny. Oh, man. Ugh, but, I love uh, my mother. Meredith's not having the whole uh, arranged marriage thing, so she tries, She gets a spell from a witch that she finds in a forest to change her mom. Her mom gets turned into a bear, and they have to find a way to get her to turn back because the longer she stays a bear the more feral she becomes it was basically like you have until three days or something you know like you have until the sun sets on the third day no sun rises on the second day there we go i was making a i was making a little mermaid reference (laughs) yeah Grace got to come one of those kind of timelines. We we have a ticking clock to turn her mom back into a human. But the plot's pretty straightforward. It's just the motivations. It's it's really weird because once once her mom gets turned into a bear, everybody that's not Merida or her mom pretty much have no point in the movie. Yeah. And that's really annoying because we have the whole the MacGuffin clan, the Macintosh clan, and the Dingwall clan and the rest of Merida's family just doing nothing mm-hmm. and they could be doing a lot more. I mean, at that point, all of those characters become one character and it's really a waste. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. So. They're there for, like, plot devices later, whenever... Yes. Whenever, you know, the mom and Merida are finally understanding each other and getting all sentimental and blah, 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 you know. Mm-hmm. The growing of their relationship kind of like uh, Marlon and Nemo. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then uh, Fox and the Hound. I I told this to Heather. It's it's. I'm gonna try and explain it. I'm gonna tell them this. Mm-hmm. When I looked at when I looked at Fox and the Hound, I thought that Copper and Todd kind of have a slave and slave master relationship, which I still kind of don't see. I I could see that. I think you're think you're looking way too far into it. Heather brought up a a probably an easier to understand metaphor Mm -hmm. is it's the movie the boy in the striped pajamas where it's the two characters are a boy who is the son of a nazi and another boy who is a jew in a concentration camp he is the boy in the striped pajamas and they become friends but neither of them know who they are Mm -hmm. and i feel like that's how todd and copper are because todd and copper are i mean they grow up Copper becomes a, hunt, a hound dog, a hunting dog, mm-hmm. and Todd becomes a wild fox. Yeah. And it's kind of like a Romeo and Juliet kind of friendship, <laughs> even though they're not lovers, duh. Mm-hmm. It's Plot two people from different... Juliet. <laughs> yeah, it's, pe- it's, 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 star- it's a star-crossed friendship, yeah. mm-hmm. basically. That's what I'm getting at. <laughs> And I mean, there. It's that's that's just the illusion I drew to it. I mean, Heather. I think Heather's was a little bit more clear. If you if you haven't seen the boy in the striped pajamas, get a box of tissues and go watch it. I haven't seen it, so I'll have to do that. Mm-hmm. I think it's on Netflix. Yeah, the plot is uh, Todd's mom gets killed. His mom goes the way of Bambi's mom, uh, and is like killed really, off stream. Really similarly, too. Yep. Runs over the Real hill. Quick. You hear a gunshot. His mom is no more. His mom That's doesn't all come we back. see of his mom. <laughs> yeah, and then he he's adopted by the widow Tweed, who is just this this woman who is just this kindly old lady. At the same time, Widow Tweed's neighbor adopts a new dog to train him to be a hunting dog because the dog he has now is getting up there in age. And the two the two uh meet, they become friends, they play, but the uh, copper's owner sees todd as just a fox yeah and after he almost gets shot the widow has to leave todd in the wild and time goes by they both grow up mm-hmm. copper comes back as a hunting dog after being on a very long trip and he gets skilled he becomes a tracker and a hunter and and he's really into it he's really enthused yeah yeah because he's finally yes. making a. Uh the older dog happy mm-hmm. and also his master happy yeah and that's all he wants yeah. and after a while like the, the the friendship kind of goes out the window because the old dog chief gets gets hurt and after that it's just revenge on todd for hurting you know his friend hurting his master and and then a bear and the yeah the, <laughs> another bear this is this is a very bear heavy episode this is, it really really is and then suddenly bear Yes. Copper saves Todd from uh, getting shot by his uh, his master again after Todd saves Copper and his master from getting attacked by the bear. Yeah, mm-hmm. because they were out in the woods going to hunt Todd down because of Chief getting hurt. 
Todd's owner went and put him in, um, like basically like put him in the forest because she was neighbors with this guy. And she was like, what if he like fucking comes over here? You know? So she was thinking Todd was going to be safe over there. But in the end, like the hunter was still like, I'm going to go get him. And, uh, went and tried to go get him and then a bear. And then at the end of the movie, it's Todd's back in the wild, but he's still, he's, it shows him overlooking copper and it's kind of, they coexist and they recognize that the friendship they had, but they know they can't be friends out in the open anymore. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's a really, it's a really sad movie. Yeah. Something me and Heather talked about is the side characters, Dinky and Boomer. Mm -hmm. They're a side, B plot with Squeaks, the little caterpillar, mm-hmm. is the same as it's kind of the same as Lucifer and the mice from Cinderella, but I haven't for the life of me been able to figure out why I enjoy that part of the movie a lot more than I enjoy I Cinderella, uh, Lucifer and the mice. So, like it's so funny, but is, I don't know why. It is funny. I think part of it is because it's paced throughout the whole movie. And all of that chase stuff with Lucifer happens in the first third of Cinderella. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For, like the bit, majority of that that those scenes happen, and uh, like big chunks of it happen in weird spots. Yeah, yeah, I think I think another thing we can point to is that in Cinderella, there's other interesting stuff we're going on that we're not seeing, like just trying to get to know Cinderella and just trying to get to the castle when all this chase stuff is happening. But Mm -hmm. the side characters in Fox and the Hound are used to kind of plug these little gaps while we're waiting for things to change Mm -hmm. in Fox and the Hound. Yeah. And they kind of, they kind of book in scenes because something that I'm thinking of is squeaks crawls inside the house Uh for winter to get warm. Mm -hmm. So the birds can't get to him. So they take off for the winter. Yep. And then when spring comes, they come back, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. At the, and it kind of it kind of bookends the seasons because the movie takes place. You know, it's very season based. It takes place, I want to say, across maybe a year. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. um, copper's only gone for Co- copper's only gone winter through fall. No, winter through summer. Yeah, winter yeah. through summer. Yeah, he like comes back at like the very end of Six spring. Months later. Yeah, yeah, beginning mm-hmm. of beginning of summer. So. And that's why they, like, grew so much, but still aren't, like, full-grown. Because yeah. they're not even, like, really a year old. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Grace, what do you think about the characters from Brave? Um, I think Merida's great. I think she's the type of girl we don't get very often in Disney. She's very... She's confident and tenacious and strong, and she doesn't want to follow gender norms. She's got this crazy red hair that's beautiful. I feel like they could have dug into her mom's complexity a little bit more. Like there's this moment where her mom sees her all sees Merida all done up before they're supposed to go out and meet all of the guests. And she pauses and, and like, you can tell she's think, thinking something, but it's not entirely clear. And then she just goes back to like, just smile and everything will be okay. Mm-hmm. And I think some of that comes out after she's a bear, once she, regains her voice but that scene is so brief that we don't really get more from her than we don't get how feisty Merida's mom probably is based on the delivery of her role um, it's very mm-hmm. button up and this is what you should do and this is how a lady 
walks and talks and speaks and everything like that. Yeah. I was bothered by Merida's dad. He's very hands-off and brutish, and I didn't appreciate that. I thought the three little boys, her little brothers... The triplets, yeah. (laughs) It's kind of random, but I kind of love it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) They are the comic relief. Absolutely. That's that's purely their role through the whole thing. Mm -hmm. Uh Um, So I don't mind it that much, so... Yeah, because they don't speak. They don't speak ever. Mm -mm. not at all. Yeah. I kind of liked her dad. Her dad is the realist. Like, he's the... He's the he's the happy medium. Like he wants his daughter to be happy, but he doesn't want to upset his wife. Yeah. Like he he sees both sides because that moment when he he um imitates his daughter in the attempt to help his wife uh talk to her daughter their daughter, it it shows that he understands what Merida wants, but he also sees what you know his wife is trying to get merida to do mm-hmm. and that that's why i appreciate him because he's the he's the perfect middle yeah he's mm-hmm. the goofy mediator who also likes to go to war with all, with all the other clansmen <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Fuck he, all he's them. a fighter <laughs> he likes to fight he's a more he's a more hands-off version of stoic from how to train yes. the dragon yeah but not nearly what? as badass yeah. yeah, I mean, Vikings are from Norway, and this is clearly set in Scotland, but they're kind of the same. They're kind of the same character, except Stoic is more Leonidas, and uh, King yeah. Fergus is more is is more like the Sultan of Agrabah. Yeah. Okay. Father figure. Yeah. <laughs> like he sees he's he's not an idiot, but he just wants everybody to be happy. Yeah. Yeah. And I already said what I said about the side characters and Merida being a badass. Mm-hmm. And I really don't have any feelings about her mom. What did you think about the animation of these two? I liked Merida's hair in this. I mean, that's oh, the yeah. thing to look at. Like, Merida's hair is fantastic in this. Did... And I think it's better hair than Tangled because it's fucking consistent. Yeah. Well, it's also... And it's not a plot contrivance. It's also later, so they had better technology for the frizzy hair. Merida's hair is is great did you notice the the first thing i noticed was the trees in the opening sequence you come down and it's kind of like a helicopter view of the trees and then it opens up and it's gorgeous and extremely realistic and lifelike yeah the landscaping Mm -hmm. is like the is the second marvel of that movie oh yeah and I don't, so I don't know if I just got used to it, but I didn't notice it that much later in the movie. But in that opening sequence, for sure, I was like, wow, that's mm-hmm. impressive. Mm-hmm. I know I noticed it when uh, Merida was climbing the cliff. Yeah. Yeah. That the, the whole Because I think they do a wide out shot of her on the cliff. I think so, and too. it's yeah. so great. Mm-hmm. I liked the, um, oh my gosh, what are they? The Will of the Wisps, whatever. I loved whenever those came out, too, because like, it was just like, a stark blue, but it was also like, you know, they were all fluffy looking and stuff. I love the animation of the Fox and the Hound too. Oh yeah. It's it's really good. It's it's really simple and the way it, it... It's clean though. Yes, it's very clean. Mm-hmm. The forest scenes are clean. It's there's not really that much to it. Mm-hmm. There's there's really two settings. There's the area around the area around those two houses and then the forest where Todd ends up. Mm-hmm. That's really the only kind of settings, and it's really simple and it's really clean. 
And the characters are really simple, too. Yeah, me too. Mm-hmm. And I have in my notes, uh, Tim Burton apparently did the character animation for Vixie, the, the female fox. Well, oh, really? Just her? Yeah, he, it's, it's uncredited. <laughs> like, he did some anime. I think he was the lead animator on Vixie. That's right. I forgot and that, that is, he... that's insane. Yeah. I forgot that he worked for Disney. Yeah. Mm-hmm. As he an animator. From the House of Mouse. What did you think of the music of these two? Fox and the Hound score. Right? So, the Fox and the Hound doesn't have music in that opening credits until about two-thirds of the way through. And I was like, is my yes. volume right. up? Mm-hmm. Is this? It's just sound effects. It's just sound effects mm-hmm. and just like wind and you can kind of hear the rustling of the trees. And then mm-hmm. this chase scene happens and the music is scary and whimsical and just insanely good and powerful. And then there are, there are a couple moments like that. I don't think anything's as impactful as that opening scene. No. But... I, it's I was a it's big fan super of. ominous though, yeah. And the whole score is very symphonic. Oh yeah. I remember saying multiple times that I needed to look up this score. Mm-hmm. Yes. I wasn't all that impressed with the music from Brave. None, none of it stood out to me. Yeah, I I remember liking the song. If you watch the first trailer from Brave, like mm-hmm. the, I think it's the second one when they actually show scenes. There's a song in there, it's a Celtic song in there that I really love, and I was really upset when it wasn't in the movie, mm-hmm. and I was it made me disappointed in the songs that were in the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, the the music and the score isn't that memorable from Brave. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's talk about the voice cast. So we've got Boomer, who is Tigger, right? Yeah, Paul mm-hmm. Trigger, who is the voice of Tigger. And then... Chief is from Robin Hood, and he was in something else that we've reviewed recently too, right? Probably. Pat Buttram. I think he was in One Hundred One Dalmatians. Oh, that was no. Mm-mm. He was in the Aristocats. Yes. He was one of the dogs that's hunting, that's looking for the kittens. Yes. And then yeah. we have uh, Mickey Rooney and Kurt Russell as older Todd and Copper. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. And I saw, ask Heather, I saw that and I started freaking out. (laughs) Yeah. Going back real, real quick. (laughs) I got so emotional at the part when Widow Tweed abandoned Todd. I was like, this is Airbud. I, I cried hysterically over and over when I was like nine, when I watched Airbud and Airbud got left. And this is exactly that scene. Airbud just jacked this. I liked that, uh the little uh, monologue that she has yeah i'm glad that wasn't a song yes it was set to music but she doesn't sing it Mm -hmm. i think that's what made it so emotional that she wasn't singing yeah Yeah. we talk about how dark this movie is this is the last movie sorry fox and the hound we talk about how dark it is this is the last movie to end with the end at the end and this is the last disney movie to have the full credits at the beginning of the movie, Mm -hmm. which I so, I love so much about these older Disney movies. Like Mm -hmm. it's all at the, all the credits are at the beginning. It's out of the way and there's more movie to get to. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Another brief little trivia thing. Apparently the Fox and the Hound is loosely based on a book of the same name. I'm reading this off of IMDb. Everything was either changed from the novel or Things from the novel were taken out entirely. Todd and Copper were never friends. 
and Todd and Copper met by Todd making fun of his Todd's uh, Copper's masters. Chief and Copper's ages was reversed. So that, you know, the aspects of their jealousy were reversed. Mm -hmm. Todd intentionally kills Chief by jumping out of the way of the train. Todd had two female foxes that he mates with. (laughs) Get it. And all of his cubs were killed by the hunter who is Copper's master. Jesus. Todd dies from exhaustion while being chased by Copper. And the book ends with the hunter retiring... And since dogs aren't allowed, he has to shoot Copper. <gasps> Holy what? shit. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So someone in oh. Disney fucking read this book and was like, I want to make a movie out of this. But probably cut a lot this of this out. This is great, out. but we got to change everything. <laughs> like, I kind of want to read what that What if book we did a movie then? about right? a fox and a dog, but it was completely different from this? Yeah. Yeah. But plot twist, they're friends. Yeah. Holy crap. Let's see. Tori ranked Brave at 21st. I ranked it at 36th. Heather ranked this in her third tier. Tori ranked Fox and the Hound at 42nd. I ranked it at 32nd. And Heather ranked it at in her third tier. Um, which one wins for you, Tori? I'm going to go with Fox and the Hound. Mm. Because... I was pleasantly surprised at how good of a story this movie was. Uh, the music was good. The characters were good. We didn't even talk about Big Mama. Ugh. Who is an amazing character. I love her. And uh, Brave was... After she after her mom gets turned into a bear, the story just kind of drops off for me. Mm-hmm. And Fox and the Hound was paced very well and i just i think it's just it's just more enjoyable than brave like story-wise even though brave may be better to look it may be nicer to look at it's i think fox and the hound is just a better movie Mm -hmm. grace i'm gonna go with fox and the hound it's i have a hard time because kind of my rule of thumb for breaking ties is which of these would I sit in a room with and prefer to watch all day long? And I don't know that either of these really fit the bill, but I like Fox and the Hound better. So, and I think it's a more well-rounded movie. I think going off of that, your criteria, I think I could sit and dissect the relationship between Copper and Todd all day. Oh yeah. I'm remembering this now and I'm not entirely sure it's correct. Was Brave, did Brave switch writers halfway through? They switch directors halfway through. Mm. Okay. Hmm. Looks like Fox and the Hound moves on to round two. Our final matchup of round one. <gasps> oh my gosh. We have The Sword in the Stone versus Toy Story. <laughs> Grace, give us a plot for uh, Sword in the Stone. Okay, so Arthur is a young boy who's kind of troubled and clumsy and wants to go be a squire in London. And Merlin kind of takes him under his wing and teaches him some skills. And Arthur ends up pulling the sword of the stone that deems him 
king of all the land. Toy Story is about a cowboy doll named Woody who becomes jealous of a new toy named Buzz Lightyear, who his owner Andy receives on his birthday, seems to usurp his position, Woody's position as uh, Andy's favorite toy. So uh, Woody tries to get rid of Buzz and the two end up lost and the they both try to get back to Andy. Okay, so I was bored by Sword in the Stone. I was very bored. I fell asleep and then had to rewind. Man, me and Heather had to power through that joint. I think I think I was like sitting up on the couch and I like I was actively like nodding off the whole yeah. time. Like <laughs> I, I remember like, having to ask it. you if you were falling asleep. Because I was so uninterested, I had a really hard time following the story. And I think there are just these it's a series of lessons that Merlin's teaching Arthur and then yeah. all of a sudden his is it his brother? That he squires for? Um, no, it's just it's just a guy. It's just it's anyway, just like his adopted falls family. Through. So yeah. Arthur gets to go to London, and Merlin's pissed and bounces, and then Arthur goes and forgets the sword for the guy he's squiring for, and finds the sword in the stone and pulls it out, and everyone's like, "Oh my god, this is a really big deal!" And then Merlin comes back and it's like, "I knew you could do it. I like, I knew you could be all." Awesome. I knew you could be all you could be. Yeah. Knowledge and bravery. How'd you feel about Toy Story this time? I like it. It's not Toy Story 3. But I still don't think this makes my top five uh, Pixar movies. What? I don't think so. Does it make your top five? I don't think so. It definitely doesn't make my top three. Man. I know. It's good. I, I like the introduction to the characters, and they really are good characters, and they did a great job of making, of, of creating this world and really fleshing it out. I appreciate it for the creation of the world, but I don't love the movie all that much. Okay. That's fair. I love this movie. Mm-hmm. It's, it is the, well, I'm not going to say it's the best. It does make my top five, though. It is definitely top five for me. I watched it yesterday again and it's there's so many low-key adult jokes yeah. in this movie it it baffles me i think it's a great introduction to the pixar brand yes mm-hmm. before they really knew what it was going to be we had a good idea based on this like this is the this is the perfect start to a studio like what are you about you're about heart you're about characters you're about good story you're about innovation innovation you're about good humor but smart humor a, yeah mm-hmm. yes not just a great animated movie not just a great kids movie it's a great movie mm-hmm. i remembered something the movie that i was talking about that reminded me of the plot that's used in jungle book the whole like sectioned off little meet and greet sword mm-hmm. in the stone was the movie i was thinking of because like oh, okay. merlin's like lessons or whatever um mm-hmm. they all seem they all seem really like chopped into different sections that yeah. that's what that's what that reminded me of yeah and except for that there's not really a through line yeah exactly the plot yeah that's why i think jungle book did it better it just kind of seemed like merlin was merlin's like saw potential in you know arthur and so he was just kind of teaching him these things and then suddenly later arthur pulls out a sword you know yeah yeah 
I think this movie would have been better as like an educational film because I feel like that's what they were going for. Yeah. Yeah. What did you think about the characters in Pick One? Sword in the Stone. What got me through <laughs> watching this movie was making headcanon. True. Hmm. And my headcanon for this was that uh, Merlin and the fairy godmother from Cinderella, <laughs> they both trained with or were trained by Yin Sid from mm-hmm. uh, The Sorcerer's Apprentice mm-hmm. because they're both in blue. That's yes. funny. <laughs> yeah, and they're both, you know, magical folk. Do you think the other woman from this, the magical woman from this, what's her name? The purple one. Madame Mim. Madame Mim. Do you think she trained with him as well? I think she trained with Maleficent. I was about to say, the dragon thing made me think of Maleficent, so... Mm -hmm. Yeah. I remember remember thinking the Mad Madam, which is Madame Mim's name, I remember thinking that sounded like a character, like a ghost from Hogwarts. Yeah. And another problem I had with Sword in the Stone is uh, almost an hour into the movie and we hadn't seen the titular sword in the stone yet mm-hmm. we saw it in the beginning because they like explained like its history and like what why it, it was there yeah and then mm-hmm. nothing yeah and we don't see the sword like the sword in the stone it's not really about getting to the sword in the stone it all happens by accident mm-hmm. i mean yes they're having a tournament because they had to choose a king yeah because nobody had been had pulled the sword out yet mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I feel like they would have kept waiting. Yeah. And it wouldn't have happened. And I feel like the sword in the stone is kind of tertiary to this entire movie. And it shouldn't be because the title of the movie is The Sword in the Stone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Madame Mim showing up at the end of the movie feels... Kind of random, yeah. 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 I feel like she should have been the central antagonist. I wonder if... Or at least had her early in the movie. Yeah, I wonder if she was earlier in the movie and then got cut or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Who's your favorite side character in Toy Story? I gotta say either Mr. Potato Head or Rex. Rex Mm. is mine. Speaking of Mr. Potato Head, rest in peace, Don Rickles. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah, Mr. Potato Head has some of the best lines i think especially in the later movies yeah 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 him and ham mm-hmm. and i feel like him and ham are kind of a pair uh-huh and then uh slinky and rex are kind of a pair uh-huh. i love slinky by the way yeah <laughs> yeah i feel like the side characters are a are super essential yeah mm-hmm. because woody and buzz don't really change no I'm also not as interested in either of them. It's similar to Finding Nemo in that way, where I'm way more interested in the characters around them and what they're saying. Yeah. It's a little less pronounced in this than it is on Finding Nemo, um, especially as we get further into the series, not so much with this one, but in Toy Story 2 and 3. Mm-hmm. I think Buzz and Woody become more interesting. But in this one... I think the ensemble is more compelling. Yeah. Yeah. I think the I think Toy Story Two is more for the side characters because it's them going to find Woody. Mm-hmm. It's like it's their mission. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It expands the world in the sense of getting to know them more. Yeah. Speaking of getting to know them more, I like that they set up Al's toy barn yes. in this movie, mm-hmm. and it pays off in the second one because yes. if you don't want to, if you don't know what I'm talking about, when Buzz walks into uh, Sid's, I guess his dad's room. 
and sees the TV. It's a commercial. The Buzz Lightyear are available at Al's Toy Bar. And I'm like, oh, snap. Mm-hmm. What do you think of the animation of these two? The Sword in the Stone is, it's it's okay. And I, I should say it's really hard to tell because we're watching all of these, like these HD remakes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It didn't look bad. <laughs> the Sword in the Stone was made in 1963 and it has this very kind of edgy cut feel that a lot of the movies from that time have kind of like Robin Hood um, and like Sleeping Beauty and yeah. Sleeping Beauty less so in Sleeping Beauty but similar but the difference with Sword in the Stone is that it's so dark and so I don't mm. think it works as well that's my two cents if we didn't watch it in yeah. HD it probably would have been uh, kind of like I'm trying to think what's that movie The Black Cauldron thank you <laughs> Yes, very similar drawing style and um, color scheme, I think. Yeah, I feel like it would have felt more more like that. Yeah, except the Black Cauldron is way darker than anything in this movie. But I see what you're talking about, Grace. Yeah. The animation in Toy Story is, it's it's like watching Tron. Mm -hmm. It's like watching the original Tron. You can tell why it was revolutionary at the time, but watching it now, it looks so primitive. Yes. But... Let's not let that detract from the fact that it still looks good. It's just what we're doing now is looks so much better. Yeah. The first completely computer animated, is that right? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. The first completely computer animated film. I talked about this when we did Toy Story three. Like watch Toy Story, then watch Toy Story three. Ooh yeah. It's so stark. Yeah. It's such a stark Lying contrast. Day. Music. Music. I don't remember the music from The Sword in the Stone at all. I don't either. I just have written down that it was good, but okay. I can't really say anything else about it. Yeah. Yeah. Can't sing anything from it. I just remember that I liked yeah. it. I mean, the music from Toy Story is good. It's not as super memorable. I mean, the songs are great. And of course, You Got a Friend in Me is iconic. And the other, what, two songs in Toy Story, uh-huh. they're, they're good. They kind of bridge gap between scenes and emotional moments. Mm-hmm. But I feel like they are more tell than show yeah because i i will go sailing no more it's really just narrating what buzz feels Uh instead of just letting buzz act Mm -hmm. even though he's a computer animated toy Uh could they have achieved that without having the song i think they could have but i i actually like that narration there i think it fits i think it's, it's neat for some reason i think it humanizes the toys Mm-hmm. by having mm-hmm. someone outside buzz talk about that kind of like phil collins and tarzan a little bit yeah mm-hmm. um i think there's some really good themes in this movie that especially translate well to the other toy story movies mm-hmm. um it's a good base for development a lot like pirates of the caribbean how the soundtrack the first soundtrack is good but then the second and third and fourth are better because they just kind yeah. of build and off of each other and, and yeah, keep as varying. What about the voice cast? The cast of Toy Story is just amazing. They play so well off of each other. Yeah. So Tom Hanks is Woody. Tim Allen is Buzz Lightyear. I still, Tim Allen will always be Santa Claus. <laughs> Don Rickles as Mr. Potato Head. Jim Varney. Why do I know that name? He's Slinky Dog. What else has he done? He's known as Ernest, like all the Ernest movies. Okay. He died before Toy Story 3. Uh-huh. Yeah, I thought they switched um, voice actors for Slinky between 1 and 2. Or was it 2 and 3? It was 2 and 3. Okay. 
they had a friend of Jim Varney do the uh, who do him very well did a did the voice of Slinky or finished I believe the voice of Slinky in three during three gotcha gotcha I feel like they're gonna have to do the same thing for Don Rickles because they're doing he's I looked at Wikipedia and he's he was supposed to be in four I can't even process a fourth Toy Story um Wallace Shawn is Rex which I didn't I think because Rex is so upbeat, I didn't catch that until later on. Um, but Wallace Shawn is the inconceivable guy from, from Princess Bride. And then he did something else, Disney, right? Recently. He was the principal in a Goofy movie. Yes. Yeah! Yes. Aww. Um, and he was in The Incredibles also. As the yeah, he was, uh, he was Bob's boss. Mm-hmm. Something I I thought about with uh, Toy Story is uh, Buzz. Buzz's whole identity crisis. Christ, there's no T at the end of crisis. (laughs) His whole identity crisis. It's like trying to convince, trying to make him understand that he's a toy, I thought is like unplugging someone from the Matrix. Right? Yeah. Like all they know is the machine that is the Matrix. Yeah. Yeah. And having them, like, kind of turning them on to a completely different world, it's jarring. And I can, it's, it, that's what I thought of when Woody is trying to explain to Buzz that Buzz isn't a, isn't a, isn't a real spaceman. Mm-hmm. He's a child's plaything. I have to quote the movie now. <laughs> it's, it's a good, it's a good concept. Yeah. Yeah. And I like that they did that before The Matrix did, even though the the dream machine is a philosophical concept that's been around for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, a little bit of trivia about Sword in the Stone. Despite the video that says that Sword in the Stone is on tap to be remade, which we will talk about in a separate episode. Yeah. The Sword in the Stone is the only Disney movie, animated Disney movie from the 60s not to have a platinum DVD release, a sequel, a TV show, or a live action remake. Huh. Mm-hmm. So I mean, we're only talking about like maybe eight movies but in that sixties range. Of those but the fact that there is a movie that doesn't have any of those is really, really interesting. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense because I think the Sword in the Stone and the Black Cauldron haven't been, haven't had a big anniversary re-release. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. they're like not one of the more popular ones. Yeah. Well, and I know Black Cauldron flopped really hard. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Did, we talked about it. It was the yeah. end of an era. Did Sword in the Stone also flop like that? Or was it just like, meh? I second look at the box office right quick. Mm. While you're doing that, I'm going to get our rankings. Tori ranked Toy Story as fourth. I ranked it as 17th. Heather ranked it in her third tier. And Sword in the Stone Toy ranked as 60th, I ranked as 49th, and Heather ranked in her fourth tier. I definitely think Sword in the Stone is going to move down for me. And I think Toy Story might stay the same. It might move into top 15 overall for me, but maybe not. We'll see. They'll probably stay the same for me. What do I have for Toy Story? Fourth. Below Lion King, Toy Story 3, and Beauty and the Beast. Oh, it'll move down, but not very far. Yeah. I, I looked it up. The Sword in the Stone wasn't necessarily a flop because the budget was three million ah. and it made twenty two point two million, but that's in, you know, nineteen sixty two. Yeah. So mm-hmm. And it got mixed reviews. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, so who wins? Toy Story. Toy Duh. Story. Yep, yep. It's such a great movie, and it created such a great world. It got an honorary Oscar for you know being such an achievement, and I think it's one of one of few animated movies that's in you know the Library of Congress for preservation or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and it's such a great film. It's such it's the story, the characters, you know, the music. It's it's just great. Uh, Sword in the Stone is it has no through line. It has little of a through line. There are very unmemorable things about it. Woot. Woo! Woo! We did it. And with that, our final four movies moving on to round two are Finding Nemo, Tangled, The Fox and the Hound, and Toy Story. Woot. We are done with round round one. one. Finally, after... What six months of podcasting? Six months, yeah. We are at the end of round one. I do have a drunken Disney for this episode. We're gonna do the the original drunken Disney of all the drunken Disneys for Finding Nemo with a classic three rule system: drink every time someone says Nemo, drink every time someone says mine, and drink any time Dory forgets something. Oh shit. What we have up for round two, we have The Lion King versus Utopia, Big Hero 6 versus The Hunchback of Notre Dame, Monsters Inc. versus Frozen, Atlantis versus Beauty and the Beast, Wally versus Sleeping Beauty, The Little Mermaid versus Tarzan, Inside Out versus Cars, Finding Dory versus Aladdin, Toy Story 3 versus The Princess and the Frog, Wreck It Ralph versus Monster University. Yup. Yeah. A Goofy Movie versus Hercules. Uh, Toy Story 2 versus The Incredibles. The Nightmare Before Christmas versus 101 Dalmatians. Cinderella versus Mulan. And making it from this episode, Finding Nemo versus Tangled. And The Fox and the Hound versus Toy Story. Oh, crap. Jesus. I am not looking forward to having to decide all these. So we might have to get some help. I'm about it, yeah. We'll be splitting hairs the whole time. Oh, yeah. We will all be bald. Which matchup do you least want to talk about? Record Elf versus Monsters University. Okay. Heather? Dude, I don't don't know. They're all... I don't know. They're all going to be really intense, okay? Like, I can't... (laughs) Like, some of these won't be intense, but some of them are going to be really intense. Yeah. I don't want to talk about The Lion King versus Utopia, because... I, I may recuse myself from that matchup. No, you can't. I may have yeah, nope. I like, may have a guest I may have a guest come and decide for me. So I'm shot for you? No. And that's yeah, that's I, first I, up too. You can follow us on all social media at not all social media. Huh? All you the can follow us on Facebook on at Facebook.com slash Disney versus on Instagram <laughs> at Disney versus we don't have an Instagram. We do not have an Instagram. We don't. We're not getting an Instagram. No, there's there's no point. Follow us on Twitter at Disney VS. Uh, give us a five star review on Facebook. Sorry, yeah, give us a five star review on Facebook. Yeah, you can do that. And on iTunes, <laughs> and give us um, seven and a half pairs or cantaloupe on Google Play Music, because I still don't know what their rating system is. <laughs> give us a thumbs up or whatever. I don't know. Give us some good vibes on Google Play Music. Tell friends about us. Like I said, we're about to get into round two where if 
you if you are com- jumping in at round two is a great spot to jump in because oh, yes. we're starting clean because you don't have to Hopefully, deal with any home on the range yeah, yeah you don't have to deal with any of the garbage movies even though we let cars through i will defend cars for the rest I of this was, bracket. I was impressed. I Bruh. was impressed. <laughs> I will defend Atlantis for the rest of I this will bracket. Not. Atlantis is going out. Atlantis <laughs> is not making it. Do not be confused. <laughs> I will stop. Atlantis recording. is winning. <laughs> Plot twist. It's, it's the coup. best one. It's a coup. <laughs> like you thought, you thought Mufasa being killed by Scar was the coup of the century. Nope. It's Atlantis beating Beauty and the Beast. It's not going to happen. <laughs> Treasure Planet's coming back just because. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> the best, biggest heel turn ever. Um, oh, we yeah. have one more episode before we actually start round two. We're going to finally talk about Beauty and the Beast and these upcoming Disney remakes because there's a shit ton of them. Supposedly, yeah. And I still don't know how Grace feels about the live action Beauty and the Beast remake. <laughs> I really want to know. Yeah. I might go see it again just so I can have a fresh. I was actually kind of considering that too. I might have to go without Tori. <laughs> okay. Uh, I hope you have enjoyed round one. We've had a blast, even with all the scheduling stuff and everything. Yeah. Uh, we hope you stuck around. We appreciate you listening. Thanks. And uh, we will see you next episode. Woo! Bye. See you in round two. Bye.